Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries, here to tell you how they built their brands. And also a big thanks to this week's show sponsor, iTrolley.ie, who have come on board to sponsor this episode. iTrolley is an online marketplace that offers thousands of products and a broad range of services. And they're down at Lyland, and you can find out more about them on iTrolley.ie. Welcome to episode 9 of the 24 Stories podcast. Again, great feedback on Audrey from Azor Jewelers last week. Fascinating story, I think, in particular people really loved how she got into jewellery. Speaking of stories, we're going down the road of print in particular this week and lots of books and in front of me is a man who's been in the industry for a few years now. Welcome to the 24 Stories, Frank. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you for having me. So, Frank, tell me, how does one get into print? Am I right in saying you've been at this over 30 years? Yeah, it started in 1983, yeah. And paint a picture for me, back in, in the early 80s, Yeah. what would people have been getting done back then? Was it like office documents and stuff that like people wouldn't have had computers? Or? No, no, it was just effectively, I was involved in, in, in selling copiers really with uh, on the South Mall. And it was just my first, my first real job. And uh, I worked with them for a couple of years. Um, for, for another couple of years, met my wife. She was working in Dublin, so spent some couple of years up there. And that exposed me to a lot of things that were, were going on and that were happening. And uh, an opportunity came along to get involved in a lettering system. It's, it's gone back so far now, but yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was kind of a semi-automatic lettering system. Back in the day, Stephen, you had a thing called Letrasetter. You had to rub the letter and it went down to it. People okay. nowadays wouldn't yeah. would laugh at you if they was saw it. Was it like headed paper or something? No? Yeah, you bought, you bought sheets, a Letrasetter. You just bought sheets and, and the people font wrote was on, on them. The font was on them. Yes. And uh, you had to rub, rub on it to get the letter out. So you, you lined it all up on a stencil and then the printers would use that as their make ready. Okay. Oh, okay, so that was that. That was the heading, and uh, that was how Letraset worked. And then a kind of a semi-automatic machine came along, and I, I wanted to go out on my own, do my own thing, and um, I, I decided to to get involved in that. And uh, that's where the name Letter Tech came from. Yeah, uh, I was always wondering where Letter Tech. I, I presumed it was words and technology, but yeah, like I wasn't really sure where it came from. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm stuck with it now because, <laughs> because the brand has grown, which is a good thing. Yeah, but uh, it's it's kind of meaningless, really. But at the time, it was lettering technology, but the short for that. And uh, I sold th- that machine to a lot of printers, traveled around Munster oh, so and stuff like that. Initially, was selling machines. Was it was it? selling machines. Yeah, because that was my background. It was selling machines. And who would have bought it then? Printers. Printers would have bought it. Yeah, and uh, HR managers that would be doing. Uh, slides um, who would want to show uh, transparencies and you know you asked about how it was done nowadays it's all PowerPoint but in those yes. days you would you would run off a set of transparent overhead projectors correct yeah with the blue background for to be soft on the eye so they would buy that kind of stuff so companies that would be involved in that would have one uh, Jared McCarthy here actually back in the day had one because he was involved in uh, in putting lettering onto cups and shields oh, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly, trophies. So, so there was a wide open, wherever there was letters needed, mm. it, was, it was an opportunity. But the thing about it was, in, so far as that, it was different to Xerox, really, because when I was with Xerox, um, you know, it, it was a great job and I really enjoyed it enormously. I loved meeting people and I loved the, the buzz of it and yeah. I loved the whole idea of being kind of master of your own destiny. If mm. you work, you earn, and if you don't work, you don't earn. And, yeah. and that kind of appealed to me. But in, in that scenario, you, you sold copiers or whatever, and then next month you had to go and sell three or four more, you know. Whereas with this, 
system, there were tapes and there was a kind of an ongoing revenue stream. There was stream kind of like accessories to go with it. Yeah, there was. There was, there was, like, there, there, there was an ongoing revenue stream. I was always looking for that kind of thing where there was always kind of, you know, if you saw the box, there was, there was always revenue coming off that box, you know. So. so you were like an agent probably more than, like yeah. you weren't making the product yourself. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. No, 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 yeah. no. But there was an American product. Okay. I was involved with a couple of guys in Dublin that were ex-Xerox as well. Okay. And so we, we, we set it up together and, and I, I set up my own business down in Munster and they looked after Dublin. And, and they had a different business not called Letter Tech up in Dublin? No, they had a company called Type Tech which went on to handle all the Apple and that would be a very well-known company. Okay. Uh, Tommy Close set that up uh, with Tony Sheridan. Uh, they were very successful there because they're now the Apple and then that is, now they're involved in Regal. So we're actually in the same, we're, we're in education as well now. They're in a different one. So, so um, everything moves on. I mean, the technology became dated. Once, uh, once the, once the uh, Macintosh was invented, that was the end of that machine. So those machines were just yeah, nearly because, dormant. Because then. if you remember the old Macintosh, the very first ones, they, yes. were, they were doing, they were unbelievable with the uh, desktop publishing, if you, call, if you yeah. remember desktop publishing. So. And then offices started getting them in. So did you have to change the business model then? I changed the business model, yeah. I got involved in, in actually producing product myself and, and uh, got involved in printing and binding and uh, setting binders to accountants and solicitors and all that sort of stuff, but actually producing the covers uh, with our company corporate branding and logo and everything else on it. And you might see a set of accounts with a little window cut in it yes. where you see the name of the client yeah. showing through and all that. I got involved in that. And then I just grew the business and I just kept going and uh, took on a few people. And the and were you always based in Carrick Tool? No, I was originally up in uh, Empress Place on um, Summerhill North. Okay. Uh, but that was very awkward because we, we had a basement in one building and then as we expanded, we had the third floor in the next and there was no lift. So you had to run out and go up three flights of stairs mm-hmm. every time you wanted something done. Yeah, so, so we just built it up and then I bought the place down in, in Carrick Tool where I am now in 1987. And now we've got 10,000 square feet down there and uh, it's offices and uh, fairly decent factory. You know, it's it's a bindery and uh, we'd have machines that nobody else in the country has and we would have a capability that would surpass anything on the island of Ireland in terms of book production. But when you were doing those early binders and stuff, was that new? Like in terms of, for Cork's, yeah, like, like were companies able to get personalised branding products before in terms of books and binding and... Uh, well, yes, they could. I mean, there was a company, uh, an English company with a subsidiary in, in Dublin called GBC. I mm. mean, you know, a general binding company. I mean, if you go back there, there were just plastic combs and stuff like that. But what, nice. I, what I actually introduced was a full wraparound cover with hot melt uh, adhesive in the centre of the cover. And you bought a machine and that reheated the adhesive and it just uh, bound the set of accounts or the brief in the case of a lawyer, barrister. So it, it redid all of that. But, you know, the order was like you'd sell the machine and maybe 500 printed covers and they'll come in six months later or a year later, depending on their volume for another mm. 500. So you were getting a, you were getting a revenue all the time from that machine. It was an earner for you. So and were you the person selling it then as well? Were you going on? Oh, was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I employed a couple of guys to help me out and, and for sales and we just moved on from there. And it took off really back when I moved into Carry Tool. And was there no, specific uh, contracts at the start that you won that you say, yeah, that was that really helped me grow the business? Was there public sector jobs or anything like that? Did you won or did you do anything? Like no, that? I don't think so. No, um, what we did, Stephen, and what we still do is we just got involved in niche markets. We're not a general printer by any manner of means. Yeah. Um, we we have the equipment, but we don't get involved in it because that's basically a service industry, okay? Yes. And it's driven by price and cost and it's driven by a lot of things. You know, whoever can do it cheaper probably gets the yeah. job and I don't have an awful lot of interest in that. So what we did was we got involved in, in, in niche areas and, and we have a number of websites now. So I got involved in logbooks and 
for pharmaceuticals. That was the first one, you know, where they have to have a case-bound hardback book customised throughout mm. uh, with templates that they fill in. Yeah. A lot of that has been taken over now by software, but we still it's still a very substantial part of our business. And uh, there will be a hard case cover on it and there'll be gold foil on it. And you might have the, we'll say the Pfizer logo, and then you'd have a title, uh, what the, that actual book was and referred yeah, to. And the yeah. pages would be numbered and it had to be bound properly because you couldn't have people pulling pages out if uh, an experiment went wrong, you know. Yeah, so there's yeah. very yeah. high compliance on that stuff. We do a huge amount of business throughout the pharmaceutical. And as you know, there's a lot of them, uh, thank God, based here in Cork. And a lot of them would have started around that time as well. Like they were coming in the the 80s and 90s and and, and far on. Yeah, no, that is true. And and, uh, a QA or a QC guy would leave one company and go to another and he'd give us a call, you know, because he knew where to get the stuff. That's kind of one vertical market for us, okay? Then we invested more money and uh, we've got into we got into the schools business and we provide a huge amount of uh, student diaries and uh, it, it's controlled documentation when I think about it because a yeah. logbook is controlled documentation yeah. and a student diary to an extent is controlled documentation. Yeah and I see you have a lovely one in front of me here from uh, uh, St. Bridget's School. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a niche product. We we produce a product that's non-tear. Okay so the yeah. cover material is completely Unterrible. So, yeah. little or little Frankie probably more likely can't uh, can't pull it apart. And then the front section is all customised to the school with their code of discipline and code of behaviour. It's totally customised for them. And then you'll just have a general uh, diary section in the centre, uh, which has got the the year we'll say running from the, the last week of August right up to the end of May or early June. And then you'll have their well-being pass after school detention record don't mention that uh, uh, permissions to leave all of that sort of stuff that's all in the back and then there's a little mm. laminated sheet at the back which is a whiteboard that the kids can draw so that's 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 totally customised for that school and we just do loads of those and every single one of them is different and when, every single and one of them who was the first school that you got on board like he probably had oh to convince God. somebody did you? No, not really, because schools always need a student journals, but our focus is to be the best at, mm. at what we do. And it's not BS, really. We, we, we really are. I mean, we... we yeah. I mean, but it's we a quality product, I can see that, yeah. Did you get editors to do that for you then? Uh, yeah, well, we would In have... In terms of creating that story... Is it consistent across all different schools or does each school tell their own story in it? You know, it isn't one size fits all. Back in the day, you know, when I went to school, mm. which is 100 years ago, or even yourself, you know, you just got one journal that did you throughout the year. Yeah. Now we have it broken down to a first year journal. We were the first to introduce the transition year journals, a senior journal, a junior journal, and there's other stuff flowing flow off the back of that. So we're very proactive in the market. We would have a couple of mentors, people that would be ex-principals or whatever or guys that are involved in the Department of Education they're chipping you off but like we ask them and they give us help and we have to stay up to date with the curriculum and so we, we, we tailor ourselves towards that that's a very substantial part of our business and uh, the whole education sector and that in turn brings its own problems because you're getting all this information and mm-hmm. it's all coming at you and it's very tough on the designers and, and on, on the people in production you're getting all that information in you know, over a, a three-week period of June, July before they go on their holidays and you've got to have it back in the school at the end of August. You better not be late, you know. Uh, everybody wants the, the student journal the day Time they arrive is back a big in. Thing, so yeah. we have three months to produce thousands and thousands and thousands of these, right? All different sizes, different widths uh, from A5, B5, A4, some of them black and white, some of them full colour, um, all sorts of PDFs. It's extremely complicated. But we've a great team and we've been doing it now for a number of years and we've just moved on. And, and the investment in, in equipment, Stephen, is just, I mean, we've spent so much money. It's just incredible the amount, because you have to, you, you only have a short period to produce the product. Mm. So I mentioned they're, earlier they're on. They're big like, machines, I'd imagine. They're big machines. I mean, the way we do, we, we bind things is we, we 
I'm showing you a book there now, but the book opens flat, completely flat. Now, it's very mm. annoying when you buy a paperback. It is for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a book guy. I'm a reader. I like yeah. to go into bookshops yeah. and browse and buy books. It's very annoying when you buy a paperback. Yeah. And you get what I call the rat trap effect. You try to open it and it snaps back on you, you know. Yes. Uh, we have a unique system whereby the spine of the book is not actually glued in to the spine of the cover. Yeah. So that avoids that. So the book itself swivels like so it's, it's practical on, for people. It's on a gimbal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's also very secure because there's a mull and a gauze around it. So that was my first really big machine that I bought. Uh, about 280 And like how many books, like how many of those school books would you be able to print a day? Okay, great question. That particular machine, everything runs more or less at the same speed. It has yeah. to in production. Otherwise, you're going to get what I call a bubble. What happens is that the uh, the binder will run, well, it's capable of running at 2,000 uh, an hour, but an operator can't really feed it at that speed. An operator will, good operator will feed it between 1,500 and 1,600 an hour. Okay. Right? And then the book comes off and it's you leave it for 24 hours to dry. That's because of our unique system. And how do you, like when, when you say dry, like if you have that many books coming out an hour, yeah. where do you put them? Oh, they're going on pallets. Okay. They're going on pallets. And but they can go up on top of each other. Oh yeah, well they can, yeah. But there's a sheet put on each one as to what the job is. And then they go to what's called a three knife trimmer where the crop marks are taken off on the top, bottom and on the foredge. Okay. Mm. So the book goes into the machine and it is cut top, bottom, foredge and that's running at about 2,000 an hour. But if it's a thin book, it'll run at double that because you can put two or three books in at a time. So you're, you, you, it goes up. So now the book block is ready to go. And if it's a case-bound book or a hardback, what needs to happen is that the, the case or the hardcover is made in a different part, is made over in another corner of the factory. And that machine is a fairly recent machine that costs 300,000 and that operating speed is 40 a minute. So it's doing 2,400 an hour. Mm-hmm. And then it moves to another machine which costs over 400,000. Uh, and that machine puts the book into the hardcover and that runs at 1,800 an hour. That every two seconds, there's a finished book coming out of that machine. Every two seconds? Every two seconds. 100, 200, that's a book. 100, 200, that's another book. And you'd have three or four guys at the end of that grabbing the books and putting them so out of pallets and into boxes. So there, there, there is obviously a manual element. It's not all automated. Somebody has to obviously oh, yeah, watch the, the process. And, oh, yeah, when it, comes off the, when, it comes off, when it comes off the out tray or the, the, the outfeed, mm. it, it, it has to be either put onto a pallet or put straight into a box. It's coming too fast to put into a box. Yeah. So we put them on pallets and we move them to another part of the factory where we would have packers and they pack them and strap them and put them on pallets and then we ship them out. But everything is done here in Cork. And, uh, and where do you, you get know, the paper from then? Where do you source the materials from? Because I'd imagine you need a hell of a lot. Okay, and I'm smart. The paper obviously originally comes from mills. Okay? Yes. And then that comes through paper distributors. Okay, in okay. Dublin, mostly. Okay. Not from but Ireland, I'd imagine, is it? No, no, no. There are no mills in Ireland, really. Yes. Most of the mills are in Finland and France. Is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But this is all FSC certified. Like the, the paper, we would have to give a forecast. We would know how many sheets we were going to use in a summer. I think we'd take in something like our order somewhere around the reason of three million. Whoa. A3. Sheets. sheets and we idea. deal with the same guys all the time they yeah. know us we know them there's a big trust there there's a lot of loyalty there so um, you know we're not looking necessarily for the cheapest price we're just looking to have guaranteed products because as I said we must have that product out there you cannot let down your customers you got to deliver on what you say you will there's about four major players in the country and uh, two of us are in Ireland and the two other major ones um, bring it in one guy brings it in from the Czech Republic and one guy brings it in from Italy and I mean you know it's mm. That's probably our fault. We don't put it out there, but the guaranteed Irish more, you know, and the fact that it's that it's done here in Cork and that there's less carbon miles on it. I mean, imagine bringing in containers from 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 yes. the Czech Republic, right? Yeah. And the profit remaining out there. 
people are very, very, to be fair, very, very loyal to us and, and they really appreciate the fact that it is made in Cork and that it is absolutely top quality product. So you were saying you kind of always went for these niche markets. Niche markets, yeah. Did you stay away so from things like printing flyers and leaflets and all of that kind of stuff or do you have that as well? Well, to be honest, Stephen, no, we didn't stay away from it. We've gone out of it completely. You were in it at one point. I have the capability to do it, but it's not worthwhile. You don't know when it's coming and somebody comes with you and they want the job done in three days or they want the thing done. It's lastminute.com all the time Mm -hmm. and it just puts your staff under pressure. And, you know, somebody comes in, they want a brochure or they want something and they're opening next Wednesday and they want the brochure and the designer still has it and they still want it and and they're still making changes to it. And you're the last guy in the line to to get it and you've got to turn it around quick. And it's not really my business. What we do is we produce niche products, printed products, yeah. But they are actual finished products. So we do self-publish books. I saw there was a niche in that in the market for helping people to either produce family histories or books of poetry or crime novels or whatever it was. And I'm very pleased we've got a great department on, on that whole side of things. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a website there, selfpublishbooks.ie. And when you say self-publish, you mean literally anybody could come into your place and say, I want to write a book. Ooh. And once we they're willing to kind of get the editorial together themselves, yeah. you'll print it for them. Yeah. Well, we do more than print it. You see, we can edit it, we can copy, uh, proof it, we can check it out and yeah. we can create an ebook for them if they want that as well. We can give them uh, 100 copies paperback and maybe 25 copies case bound for their family. They don't get that anywhere. They just don't get that anywhere. And it's just a different experience. We walk you through it. It's a really interesting experience that we help you with. There's a book free of charge you can have from us anytime. All you've got to do is log on to the website and ask for it and it's called Get Published Now. And it's a step-by-step for anybody. It's, you know, for dummies, right? Yes, I, this, on how like, to I'm publish your own the black, book. The black and yellow books for dummies. Yeah, yeah. And how to, yeah, how to do it. And, and we provide that to you and then we will help you. And the launch, it's a whole experience, Stephen. It's really interesting. Is it therapeutic, so Frank? I, I think so. It's hugely therapeutic for the author because it yeah. gives them something to really get involved in and they research their family. This is if it's a family history or whatever it is, but it doesn't matter. It could be, as I say, it could be a book of poetry, it could be a book of fiction, it could be a local history. And there's so many local histories. Um, there's one there now, Murder Most Local, um, Historic Murders in North Cork. We've done so many of those types of books and local histories it's wonderful to see because, and I've been to so many launches because what happens is that somebody will say in Tipperary, I mean, they get yeah. the whole community behind it or in North yes. Cork or wherever it is, they get the whole community behind it and the book is being published and they all go to the hotel. Well, I know that doesn't happen too much now in, in these times, but that will return, please God. So they have a, a launch and everybody... And they sell the book at it. Oh, they, of course they sell the book at it, but it's not about the money. It's mm. about the it, it's about the whole community response to it. Yeah. And it's it's heartening, it's heartwarming to see it. And we offer that experience all the way through. So you can take your Word document, you can send it off to Amazon, you can send it to Lulu, and uh, it's not an experience. You'll get a book, right? Yeah. It's like if you're driving along the motorway and you're hungry and you stop and you run in and you grab a sandwich in a petrol station. That's not really fine dining, is it? It's not a no. dining experience. No, no, no. You, you solved your hunger problem, but it wasn't a dining experience. Yes. So this is an experience because you meet us, we walk you through it, we have professionals there that'll help you, that'll talk to you, spend time with you, look at your uh, photographs. Are they good for printing? If they're not, or can we scan them? You know, are they up to quality? Are you going to be disappointed? Or you know, So we will stop you. I mean, the, the big guys won't do that. They'll just print whatever and then you get it and you're disappointed. And it's just an experience. So we, 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 we take people and they come back to us for reprints. So if you were to write your own book, like what's the minimum quantity then that needs to be ordered? Well, on our website, I think we say the minimum is, is 100, but we will do 50. I mean, yeah. in order to make it worthwhile for the customer. 
you're going to have pre-pressed costs, okay? Yeah. You're going to have a little bit of editing and proofreading and this, that, and yeah. whatever you want yourself. And we'll design the cover for you. No, you might have your own designer and you might have yeah. an idea for a cover and that's fine. But whatever you have is fine with us, but we will help you. We will fill the gaps for you. So what will happen, we'll say, is that you have an initial cost, right? Mm. A development cost, whether it's the design of the cover or the proofing or whatever, which you need to get back in some way or another. You know, when we print 50 books, we would run about 60, okay, mm. maybe 65. So we have to cost that in because we know we're going to lose one on the binder. We might lose one in the laminator. We might lose okay. one here. We might lose one some, yeah. somewhere else. So, you know, you, you, you've got to give the customer 50 yes. books at the end of the day, but you don't print 50, you print 60, yeah. 65. So that has to be costed in. So once you go for kind of the higher numbers, once you get to 100, that doesn't become a factor and you're amortizing all your costs as well into the book. And when was the first one printed? Like, did someone, did you have the idea or did someone come to you and ask you, uh, is there any chance you could print a book from Well, funnily enough, I I haven't had too too many ideas in my life, right? Yeah. And that's for sure. But that particular one, we had the equipment. And I thought that people were being ripped off on the self-published side of things. Uh, I, I investigated it a little bit. When I say I investigated it, I, I looked at it and uh, yeah. being honest about it. And uh, I saw that you had a silver package and you had a gold package and you had a platinum package and people were paying out 2,000 euros and they were getting 10 bucks at the end of the day. They were just getting ripped off and yes. that kind of cheesed me off a little bit. And I said, look, there's no need for that. I mean, we have all the kit here. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what I did then was I invested in, in getting good proofreaders and we had our own fantastic designers in-house, okay, that they beautiful designs and, and designs of covers and stuff like that. And they were so used to dealing with print anyway and mm. preparing jobs for print because very briefly, very briefly, you have different types of designers. You've got a designer who will design for web. You'll have a designer who will design for, you yeah. know, advertising agencies and so on. But when you're dealing with print, you know, you have to worry about bleeds and crop marks and how the yeah. thing is looks and how what, what kind of paper it suits and all that sort mm. of stuff. So it's a very specialised It's like game. a craft. It is a craft, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's still, I mean, you know, you do your apprenticeship in printing, you do your apprenticeship in binding. So it's usually craft. There's actually an apprenticeship in it. Oh, there is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in in um, the... Dublin University now and they're finding it very hard to get apprentices but, but the whole thing has changed it's not just the old days of uh, offset and plates and inks and make ready and all that sort yeah. of stuff it's a lot of it is digital now like we have digital machines I just ordered another one there now um, and that will do 330 A4 images a minute and that will join another one that I have so that's 660 A4 images yeah. right and I have a 125 as well but you're up to 15, 1600 pages yeah. per minute coming off a of press Oh. You know, and you, you divide that by whatever you'd have in a book, maybe 165 pages, 10 books every minute coming out. You know, it's just very, very, very high volume. And that high volume then allows you to be able to price correctly for, for your customers. And it's not costing them an arm and a leg because you've invested in the, in yeah. the equipment. So it's, it's, it's just about scale. So you had the skills in-house and you said this could be a, an opportunity to get into a new market again. Mm-hmm. We got into that side of things and, uh, and, and we do books all over the, the country. Uh, I have a book here in front of you now, uh, Stephen called From Dirt uh, and Dips to Dry Rubs. This was done for bathing in Dunleary through the ages by Eileen O'Duffy. And she's absolutely thrilled with it. And it's a, it's a coffee table book. It's an A4 landscape and it's full colour throughout. And um, she rang me actually uh, the other night. She said she'd given it to Dubray uh, Books. In, yeah, in, yeah. In, uh, and uh, the guy in, in, in Dunleary said he, he had never seen a book of that quality from anywhere outside oh. the country or inside the country just and they are know, so top it's quality great, it's great to take photographs that. and put them up for the social so that you can look at them and stuff like that as well there's it, there's something magic because there was a time Frank where people thought books were gone when the Kindles and oh yeah didn't they yeah, did you was, think was printing was on the way out no but uh, we were we were nervous <laughs> yeah but you see what happened was it's funny enough that the it didn't work. It didn't, didn't take work, off, no. you know. And then uh, Apple tried is, it and stuff. Yeah, yeah a, a Kindle is fine. Um, you're going <laughs> to, I say the most dreadful things, but uh, here goes. A Kindle is fine if you want to read 40 Shades of Grey on the train. 
Okay, yeah, nobody yeah, wants to see yeah. what you're reading. All yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. you're on a plane. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. It's 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 trying, but it's the feel of the book. This you know, it's having a book in your hand and mm. reading it, and as well as that, kids, people, human beings don't absorb information off screens. And yeah. I, I I I would regard myself as being very good on on typos and spelling and, and yes. grammar. And uh, you know, I'll miss a typo, and uh, and I know where the apostrophe goes before the s as well. I learned all that, uh, so I'll miss it on a screen and. Uh, in a book, it just jumps out at you. you. You spot a mistake straight away once it's printed. And that's why you, you get people come back and say, listen, I never saw that. You know, I didn't see that. And look, it's in the book. But yeah. It's when it's printed, it's the problem arises, you know, because people see it there. So, no, but there's a huge, people love books and people love going into bookshops and browsing. And it's just an experience. And did I see that you have a copy of every book that you have ever published in your office or something like that? Did I? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, we, well, yeah. although the <laughs> office must be getting f- bigger. No, it's a- yeah, no, it's, that is true. No, part of that is that it's a fail safe. You have to keep a file copy. We do keep a file copy, but I like to have a copy in my office as well of, 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 of all the books because the book will come back into you. It could come back into you in three yeah. years time and they want another or they want an update on it or whatever. So you can put your hand on it. I think the advantage to us is the fact that we can produce paperbacks and hardbacks and people love hardbacks like people who love books really love case bound books yeah. but they may not want to get 500 of them so they might get 400 and 100 and I advise people I say look most books they're going to cost less than a fiver right okay, okay. so if you're paying less than a fiver for the book just charge a tenner for it yes that means that you only have to sell half of them to break even yes and after that you can make a decision you're either making profit or you can discount them okay mm. it's just simple arithmetic and hardcovers then they have a perceived much higher value we'll charge an extra Two euros, two euros fifty for a hardcover. So a case bound book, whatever the cost of the book was, if it was a fiver, a hard a case bound book is seven fifty, which you'll get twenty twenty euros for a, a case bound book. So your margin is much higher. Yeah. Now it's not that people are trying to make money; it's just that you don't want to see them hurt. You don't take their money and, and let them go. You, you try to give them as good advice as possible and keep keep everything down for them and make it a really good experience. They meet in the hotel, they have their launch, everybody's around them, they're selling their books and everything else and they come out of it without losing money. I mean, they, they, they break even or they make a little bit of money, but it was a wonderful experience. And it's it, it could be a six-month or a 12-month experience, you know, as you're, as you're going through it and you're gathering your information mm. and you're getting stuff from everybody. And how many books have you done so far? Oh, my God, I haven't a clue couple of hundred or a couple of thousand? Oh my God, I want to be doing more than a couple of thousand. We As in, in individual? Individual titles. I honestly don't know, so I am not going to guess, but we would do, because uh, I get a weekly report, about six titles a week. A week. So that's obviously 300. You know. What's been the biggest kind of seller so far? Oh, um, well, in... That's a difficult question to answer, Stephen, because in a lot of cases, somebody will come in, they'll order 500 or 1,000 books and mm. we will deliver them to them yeah. and they could be up in cash in Tipperary and they could all be sold up there. So I wouldn't know how wouldn't many know. how many they yeah. sold, if you understand me, right? The, 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 there's a book that was done by Eileen Keane, Halley, right, called The Parent. Yeah, How I know Eileen, yeah. You yeah. know Eileen? Yeah. How to navigate the ever-changing world of parenting. She she wrote that and that has been very successful. And Eileen got totally behind it and, you know, we did a couple of reprints of it for her and we put it up on our website. That's the other thing we have. A, when an author comes to us, we have another website called Lettertech Bookstore and uh, the bookstore, we will keep five or six copies or ten copies or whatever it is and we will, like, you know, Stephen, if I'm with you or we're having a drink or something, you say, listen, like, oh, you've written a book, you must give me a copy. I say, listen, you can get it on the website. I'm not going to carry it around in my pocket and yes. say, have you got a tenner handy, Stephen? Yeah, no, I'm not yeah, going to do that. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a site, it's, 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 a, it's an e-commerce site where you can buy the book. So that's, that's, that's and an option. And they're all your own books? Oh, only, only our own. 
That's and another service. I mean, we will take lettertechbookstore.com. Is that's it? it? Yeah, lettertechbookstore.com. So all of those, all those books are there. They're available. So the customer will leave ten with them or whatever it is. And then if we need more, we'll say, listen, can, can, that book is selling well. Can you? Can we have some more? Yes. I mean, that book has completely sold out. Bathing in Dunleary. Uh, Eileen's book sold very well, but she promoted it as well. To be fair, and uh, put and it do out you help there. With that side of it, then we'll do everything we can. Of course, We're, we want our co- we, we want the authors to be uh, to be successful. Of course, yeah. Uh, of course, that's the whole point. We, we, we're delighted when they come back and say, listen, you know, that sold really well. I need another, yeah. you know, I need another 50 copies or 100 copies. Of course, there's no problem reprinting it because there's no initial cost. We have yes. the file, we send it to the computer, computer sends it down to the presses and the presses just print it and we bind it and it goes through the factory in the normal way. So we can, we can, do, a, we can do a reprint, no problem. It's, so uh, It's fascinating. Like, I mean, you, you mentioned about, you know, spelling mistakes and things like that. Did you ever have a case whereby... There was a, a massive print run and then you'd say, oh my God, we've made a huge mistake or it was back to front or there was... No, but there was a case where a firm came to us and we don't do trade work anymore, but a, f- a very large firm came to us with a book yeah. and it was printed and it was bound and they wanted us to simply, what we call in the trade, case it in. In other words, make the hard cover and put it into the hard cover. They had printed it and gathered it and folded it and I won't bore you with all of that and threads on it. And the title was in the name of a place. Yes. And I looked at it and I knew it was wrong straight away because I knew how to spell it. Yeah. And I rang them and I said, this is a problem. And because it was done, as you know, on a computer with Word, it just repeated throughout the book. And I spotted it and I rang the managing director and I said, this is a problem. He said, oh, hold on a minute. And uh, he went back and he said, no, we can't. We can't go with that. You know, it's about that area. So uh, nobody spotted that the name of the townsland was incorrectly spelt. So the whole job went in the bin. Who takes the hit in that then? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I just got the next. You'd say they reprinted it, sent it in to me, and yeah, uh, you know, I sent it back, and and they they would have just uh, uh, shredded it, and and it would have gone out for horse bedding or something, you know. And did you ever have a case then? One of the, the self-published books, somebody's had to pull it because there was incorrect material in it, or somebody. No, not really. You no, haven't had I, those in type all of my books. Years, I, I, there, there's been a situation where, well, okay. First of all, we have very strict rules. We don't do anything that's blasphemous or, you yes. know, there's very strict rules. There's, there's terms and conditions up on, yeah. the, up on the website, right? So you can imagine, like, the terms and conditions there in terms of blasphemy or pornography or stuff like that, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, you stay well. uh, I've had guys come to me, all right, with books that would be certainly off-colour and we don't touch those. But no, not really. We, we had one sort of instance I can go back three years and I'm really stretching it now, but there was a problem within a family where somebody had written a, a family history. Okay. I don't know the name of the book and I wouldn't, put it out on the yeah, area, but, yeah. but there was a family history and there was a bit of a bust up in the family as there are in so many families yeah. and somebody said the wrong thing and uh, wrote the wrong thing and put it in writing and the written word once writ is that's it you know it's, it it's becomes yeah it's out there you know it's it's one thing for me to say something to you like yeah. you, you know you're yeah <laughs> but that's one person saying you know, not, yeah. yeah you're a little monkey or something but if I write it, it it's written like the written word is extremely cold and it's non-retractable. You have to be very careful with that. So anyway, there was kind of a kerfuffle between the family and another member of the family wrote to us and told us that we were, you know, we were liable because we were the publishers. I said, no, we're not. We're not, them. We're not the publishers. We're the printers. We, yes. we printed the product and you got to take that up with the person. The, the copyright, we don't have the copyright of that book. So you, you, you have to, you know, you have to have good legal advice and, and know what you're doing. Well, so, I suppose it does like self-publish. Yeah. 
Like it is self-published ultimately, so it is, it is. It's your responsibility. You're making oh, oh, absolutely, and it's your responsibility. And you get proofs back if you're working with us. If you're not working with your own designer, you get proofs back, and you have to check them and make sure. And if you want a, a galley copy, which is a, a one-off copy, we'll do that for you, so that you can see the hard copy, so you can see any mistakes in it. So, you know, if if you are retired and you want to uh, write a history of your family, or you want yeah. to write a history of the area, or you've always had a book in you, or you've been doodling away with poetry, and it's you want to publish it, just go ahead, it's, go and do it, have fun because it'll take up some of your time and it'll be fun and it'll be interesting and other people will get involved and it becomes a social thing. It's wonderful to go to a launch and people are all around the author and they're signing the copy and they're all having their glass of wine and they come up and they talk to you about the, the process of printing the book and what was involved in it and so on and so forth. It's, it's a really great social uh, and I, you know the COVID thing is really it's probably dampened that whole uh, well it, it has but it has dampened the experience you know has, uh, it, has it impacted on sales not really funnily enough no because people have more time to, to read to, 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 to read, but also to write did you ever consider writing your own book Frank the lads in the worker I was pulling my leg about that um, no I don't think I have much to say to be honest with you <laughs> so um, no not, not, not really because I can see the passion stuff. you have for books no we just like to produce really good work uh, really, really good work. I'm not interested in kind of slap happy stuff. Do you ever get bored, Frank? In terms of like you've been like in <laughs> terms of you know of all the guests I've had so far, you've you've been the one that's been in the the same industry the longest period of time, mm. a successful business since since the mid eighties. So, do you ever get to the stage where like you know what I've had enough? Not really. No, I I love what I'm doing, and we're always involved in, in new projects. I mean this. This book here, The Green, White and Orange, which is the history of uh, the Irish soccer shirt from 1921 to 2021, that is going to have an official launch in March, okay, okay. Uh, when the football starts. So there's always something new. We have loads of projects and there's always something new around the corner and that keeps me interested. I mean, why would I... Yeah, you, I mean, you, I you like be, to innovate, you like to kind of reinvent the wheel a small bit every now and again. Innovate and add value. Yes. Those two things are absolutely key. But on the on, going back to the Green, White and Orange book, that... that is the story of the the history of the Irish soccer shirt from 1921. The uh, FAI was founded in 1921 and this is 2021. It's a centenary year and against Qatar they wore the original blue shirt. Against Qatar the other night they wore the original blue shirt because we had a blue shirt the same as um, Brazil actually. They're iconic yellow was uh, was actually a blue shirt originally. Mm, Which is their uh, wagers, you know, yeah. The history of all the great shirts are in there. The cover has got... Uh, has got Richard Dunn's uh, shirt, which is covered in blood and the number five written on it by hand uh, by Shea Given. Uh, and that is on, uh, on on the cover. But all of the, the the shirts come back to 1921 and some of them, they were actually made of wool. It's, it's hard to believe that guys ran around in heavy wool shirts that were, you know, it would be like something from the Middle Ages. Uh, but uh, that is a very large coffee table book and that's going to be launched. And uh, I'd like to present you with one and have for, for raffle, if you wish, uh, so we'll have a competition you have a competition have a competition and whoever wins the competition we will ship the book to them so we'll, we'll give you that one so that's 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 the latest project you know we've done sports books before we did one for Paul Burns he was involved in the GAA in, in RTE and he wrote a book called At the End of the Day but it's very interesting because it's it's in, uh, a number of interviews with famous guys like Henry Shefflin and Paul did a great job on it because he, he he interviewed all these guys because he knew them all because he was dealing with them in yeah. his business, right, in, in RTE. And mm. he, what he did was he interviewed them all and they were all coming to the end of their careers mm. and how they were going to face into, you know, you're no longer yeah. earning a huge amount of money, you're no longer on TV every day, every Saturday. How do you, how like, do you as a human after? being, yeah, yeah. exactly. I found that really, really fascinating. Over That's the years, is there a book that sticks out that be kind of, you have a soft spot for it and might be your favourite book? A book that we produced ourselves? Yeah. Not 
really. I think this one, a green, white, orange, I think could be a real contender for that. I don't really, I, I think it's because, it's not that I'm cold-blooded, I think it's just that I look at them with a professional eye. Okay, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. if there was something wrong, I'd remember it. Yeah. And that would hurt me. Uh, yes. So that would that would that would be a bar under my saddle for sure. You know. What but about another publication? So something not published by you? Do you ever look at a book and say, you know, that's a lovely job? That the, the, everything about that book is just excellent. I, you know. I, I suppose I, I read a lot of books, a lot of a lot of business books and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, from from a production point of view, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, the guys over in the UK, Kingsbury Press, do great books. Um, yeah. You know, they they have this capability of debossing and gold foiling and all that sort of stuff. So from yeah. that aspect, but that's kind of technical stuff, and it's mm. it's a bit nerdy, I guess. So, was there, so was there ever a project, Frank, whereby you tried something, you tried to be innovative, and it just collapsed, and you just said, "I need to walk away from that before I." born any more cash on it? Well, that's a great question. I don't really think so. I've seen markets dying and yeah. I've seen products that had a shelf life and everything does yeah. uh, have. I mean, we, we had a we had a kind of a, a strategy meeting there yesterday and I was talking, we were talking about, I said, look guys, you know, when I was back in the 60s, my mother bought Tide washing powder, right? Yeah. And we all used SR toothpaste, you know? And yeah. where the hell is that now, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So all of these things, and I remember back in the 80s, you know, there was a great beer out, because I, <laughs> uh, I like my glass of beer, and it was Foster's, you know? Yeah. And and it's gone. And now I'm drinking, yeah. what am I drinking? A Moretti or something, you know? I mean, yeah. it, it, things change and things move on and you have to be able to see, you have to get there before. The trick is to to get ahead of the curve and to see an opportunity and to, uh, to anticipate the demand. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the great business writers, all the books I've read on, on business, but uh, Dennis, can't think of a second name, he says, you've got to be where the, hock, where the, where the puck is going to be, you know, the hockey puck. Yeah. You need to know where the puck is going to be, not yeah. where the puck is now. You so tried I've apps for a while, didn't you? Did you try apps? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For schools, we did. Uh, and, and, and we still have some out there. But they were more suited to primary schools, really, yeah. um, because the technology in post-primary schools is that they're using VSware and stuff like that. And, and, and we do websites. Uh, we do we we we, de- we develop and and we program websites as well, all our own or done by ourselves, obviously. For schools, yeah, for schools and for anybody. What about for people who write a book? Like, if the book was big enough, would would you write? Would you create a website for them? We could easily. Uh, yeah. We could easily, but that wouldn't. That wouldn't last. That would only last as long as the life yes. of the book was there, if you understand. You'd have to have something bigger for it. Yeah, yeah. You, you would, or you'd need to be somebody that was going to be selling books or involved yeah, in it. Yeah. So, so I would kind of advise against that. You'd be wasting your money. But um, the the uh, on the app side of things, yes, we did. However, uh, there's a lot involved with apps because mm. schools need to know that the parent got the notice that the school is closed. Yeah. And schools need to know that the parent is checking the app and that they are getting the notifications and if they switch off notifications or whatever they yeah. don't get it so they, they have to go back to the, to the traditional more traditional methods of texting or whatever it is right and a lot of the school software now guys themselves that are doing mm. the school management system have it built in so that um, they have VSware for example can you can send out texts through it now and you know that the parent has got it so there's a there's a security issue involved there okay so there's nothing wrong with the app but the issue is that the school needs to know that the parent is receiving and reading the information yeah, that it's yeah. sending it's it's very uh, very delicate so yeah and it's, we're involved in that it's probably slightly unrelated to it is. It was just. It, it was just a, an extra added value product yeah. for for the schools. That you were in there. You had the contacts. We were in there. We had the contacts, and and we were able to do it and produce it, and and it worked very well for a while. And we still have quite a few out there, but we don't actively sell it anymore, simply yeah. because we have learned that, you know, 
I'm not going to go out and sell something to somebody that I know that they'll buy it and then they'll come back to me six months time and say, listen, the parents aren't really getting the, the notifications or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not prepared to do that, you know. So we kind of, we just, we just stopped it. That's a, a really a, a security issue, really, that, that has to be dealt with. And, and it wasn't available through, at the time, through VSWare or through Aladdin, which mm. is the primary school, uh, uh, most primary schools would use Aladdin. That's right, and yeah. it's, it's, it's a management tool that the school manages the school with. And then they brought out an ability to be able to send out text messages and stuff through Aladdin. So why would they pay me? or yes. my company to have an app when they can do it yeah. through this. But it just wasn't there at the time, so that's why I brought it out. So what's the, what's the future for Lettertech so, Frank, in terms of what's, the, what's down the road? Is it more about self-published, doing what you're doing already, self-published books and so on? Well, yeah, well, self-published is a part of it, but uh, I think that it, it's more of anywhere there is a niche and there is a product that really can't be produced by anybody else. <clears throat> I've been working on something now for about three years and it's, it's about to be launched. So um, I'm very close to it. It's going to be about producing um, notebooks. It's going to have templates in it, which will be kind of my personal goals and all that sort of stuff. And it's going to be customised as well, maybe to the corporates where they can give it to their employees, uh, you know, as as a thank you for their their help and their work during the COVID period and so on. And it'll have uh, their personal goals in it. It'll have kind of a diary in it. And it will also have, you know, it'll have well-being stuff in it. It'll have a lot of templates in it. Very, very good people working on that at the moment. And believe it or not, I'm at it for three years, right? It takes that long to develop a product. It doesn't really, but that particular product, I just want it to be right. Uh, I've looked at it from every single angle and I've gone from cream paper to white paper, from hardcover to paperback, Mm. from this to that. And it's going to be totally sustainable. It's going to be made, not not only is it recyclable because all paper is recyclable, but it's it's going to be made from recycled. The paper itself is coming from recycled coffee cups instead of sending the coffee cups. We're going to, yeah, the paper comes from recycled coffee cups and the cover is going to be... um, from recycled material as well, but it's going to be really high end and we're going to customise. We'll put your name on the cover uh, so that yeah. you have your name in gold foil or whatever on the cover. And there will be a little seed paper in there. Steve, I'm giving you my secrets here because <coughs> nobody knows about this. So this is a first. Like so, confession uh, box here. Yes, yeah, confession box. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's going to be seed paper in it that yeah. you just take out and there's seed in the paper yeah. and you just put it into <coughs> a little soil and you put water on it and it'll oh. grow plants for you. It's a, it's a, yeah. So the whole thing is very, very sustainable and very. It's really exciting project actually. Um, even after three years, it's still an exciting project. But I, I'll just keep. It's not going to go out there until I'm one hundred percent happy. You're with kind it. of taking the model from the school journal and taking it to the corporate world, kind of. Are you? But uh, yeah. a more finished product, obviously. In this case, it's it's something different. But yeah, it, it's customized product. Uh, we'll say a, a large company. Um, we would be approaching the HR people and yeah. saying to them, look, here's a product that we can supply you with, which will have your, your branding on it. OK. Mm. And but we will individually uh, print each of your employees name mm. in gold on it. And we will give you the product. And in that, inside that product, you can have whatever you want. And we'll give them a selection of templates from, you know, am I drinking my water? You know, you, you tick off the numbers of bottles yeah, of water yeah, you drank yeah. during the day of the week. Uh, personal goals, a little bit of doodling, creative stuff, uh, a lot of well-being stuff in there. And we will send it directly to their homes for you, right? So I nice op- I've, I've opened my big mouth now, but that's that's where we're going. Yeah, that's where we're going with that product. And it's going to be personalized to the person, um, to the recipient that gets it. And we can put in a note from the HR director or whatever to thank you for, for, for their efforts. And we realize you're working from home and so on and so forth. And we'd like to... Uh, 
to show our appreciation by giving you a customised notebook and please give us some feedback because this product can be customised to suit you. I'll give you one, Stephen, when it's done. I'll, I'll, go forward I'll present that. you one with one. <laughs> we'll have to have a, a special 24 stories one, actually, where we could give the, actually, the yeah. guests. That would be nice. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sponsor that for you. Yeah, there well, you definitely. Go. You've got another freebie. I'm looking forward to that next year. You never stop, Frank, I'd say, do you? You keep going all the time. Like, yeah, I, I get bored if I'm not doing anything. I mean, I'm not a person that lies on the beach, to be honest with you. You know, I just, I'm checking my phone if I am. <laughs> and yeah. checking what's going on. I'm just interested in stuff. I'm interested in what's going on. Like, you know. And You've only got one shot at life, so you might as well yeah. enjoy it. No plans to retire? No. Not at all? No, I, 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 we have a, a new general manager down there now, Brian Colleran, and uh, he's he's looking after. It. But the, the gang are great. I mean, they, they they just they know what to do themselves. So there isn't any. There, yeah. th- th- there's nothing there. It's just a question of from our point of view, or from my personal point of view, of running the projects and guiding the projects. It's yeah. not about man management or human resources. So you are you gone it's more strategic? That. Don't need no. any of that. Are you more strategic at this stage? No. Like, would you be kind of stepping off the day-to-day stuff? Or? Yeah, I, I'm concentrating. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm out of the, 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 the problems of, you know, yeah. like, you know, can you run down and get a, a hose or, yeah. you know, we need some oil for that for, yeah. for that gearbox or whatever, right? Yeah. So that, that's obviously gone. But uh, I'm I'm very involved. I've got busier than ever, actually, because I'm, I'm kind of involved in the whole idea of projects and new projects. And we have a lot going on. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things going on in the education side. There's a lot of things going on in the publishing side. And I've got that other little brand coming coming around the corner as well. So I'm I'm kept busy on, on three or four things. Yeah. And did you ever get tempted to sell it off to somebody? The business? Uh, how would I do? You'd be bored. Yeah, yeah, of course it would. And books, is, uh, books, and print is all you know, I suppose. Well, I, I, you know, you know, I like the people I work with, and yeah. we we have great crack and yeah. uh, great fun, and uh, you know, it's it's. I, I don't see any reason. I mean, you know, I mean, why would I? So every week uh, on the podcast, Frank, I ask two questions. The first of of which is, what tip would you uh, give another business to build their brand? So you've been in this game a long time now. You know, somebody starting off even, what would what tip would you give them? I don't know if I'm qualified to give anybody a tip. Of, I need to start up my own mess, uh, Stephen. But um, I suppose figure out what you're good at and then what you're not good at. Hire people to do the things because you're not going to be good at everything, okay? Yeah. Right, little personal information. I couldn't hang a picture. I mean, I can't. My wife, it drives her mad. Right, okay. That makes two of us, actually. I can't, I, you know, one of my, my production managers said to me today, you've got 10 thumbs, Frank. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and I do. So, I, I can't do that. So, yeah. But if you're good at something, you can always hire somebody that, that is good at what they do. Okay. So, uh, be good. Because what I find for myself personally is yeah. that what I like, I'm good at. And you'll never be good at something you don't like. If you're in a job you don't like or you don't enjoy or whatever it is, you've yeah. no interest in it, so you're never going to be any good at it. No, you'll have no passion. No passion for it. But if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you really like what you're doing, you're going to drive yourself to get better and better and to produce better and better quality product and to get more and more self-satisfaction out of that. So I think find what you like, get good at it, and the bits that are missing, you can always hire in. You, can, you don't even have to hire them full-time. You can take on a consultant or you can take yeah. somebody in or get financial advice or whatever it is. So, but you have fun then, you see. If you, if, you, if, you, if you like what you're doing, you know, you're going to have fun and you're going to be very good at it and you don't have to worry too much. So the other question I have is, what tip would you give an individual? And maybe in your case here, let's say somebody is looking to write a book. What tip would you give them? Start writing. Just anything? No, just start writing. Just just put it down because do you know what? When you write something and you see it there, 
then you can start making changes to it and you mm. can say, that's not exactly what I want, okay? But you've got to get it down, first of all, you know, and um, just start writing and just write a chapter. It's just self-discipline, really. I mean, it's like anything, you know. I mean, I, you know, the great uh, uh, Freddie Forsyth, I mean, lived in Wicklow there and, mm. you know, he, he got up every morning it was like going to work, you know. I mean, he was talented, right? Yeah, <laughs> Obviously, yeah. he could sit down and he could run off two chapters in the morning. But, yeah. You, you just, I suppose, a little bit of self-discipline and just start writing and start doing it and then ask for help and uh, get somebody to look at it and see what they think and so on and so forth. And then it'll gather its own momentum. But if you don't start, you're not going to get momentum. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Paul McGinley always talks about momentum, you know, and, and momentum is a big changer in any, in, in mm. golf or in the Ryder Cup or in rugby matches, the momentum changes. And, and you've got to, but you've got to start somewhere. And before you start, should you ask somebody if it's a good idea or should you, like... You know, if let's say it's about a business or an area or something separate to a novel, should you look to see if there's a, Not really. a need for it? Trust yourself. Trust yeah. your gut. I mean, your your gut is usually right about most things. You yeah. know, uh, funnily yeah. enough, if you meet somebody and you're uncomfortable with them, you know, it's it's for a reason. You know, I mean, your gut, your your personal internal yeah. little uh, guy will tell you. You know, so just. I mean, go and research it. Go to the local library if it's if it's if if it's local history. Check out if somebody's already done it before. Obviously, that's the big uh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but that doesn't matter. Even if they have done it before, how many books are written on business? How many books are written on economics? You you walk across there to yeah. Dubray and Patrick Street. There's books on economics all over the place. So. You know, so go ahead and write if you've got something special, something to add, something, mm. something. And, and if, if it amuses you and it gives you, you know, we talk about well-being these days. If, if it makes you happy when you're sitting down writing, it's like walking the beach or something. Whatever makes you happy, just sit and do it and, and, and get cracking on it. And then when you've got something, then come to us maybe, you know, or go to anybody. But, but and I'm not saying us, but we just have all of the, all of the tools yeah. and, and we can look at it and we can, we, can, we can hand it to people that are absolutely expert in their field. So you'll get a really good design of the cover. You'll get the thing copy edited, you'll get all the mistakes taken out of it. You'll get advice on certain things, what to leave in, what to leave out and mm. stuff like that. And suddenly you've got something going there and then, you you know, the train is rolling then. I think it's great advice. And listen, Frank, it's been fantastic to hear the story of, of Lettertech. And, and if anybody is in the business of looking for gifts at the moment, actually, if you think about it, I'm just looking at all these different books in front of me at the moment and I'm sure they could go on to lettertechbookstore.com mm. Well that, that book actually is for sale on the website we've, we've taken a lot the of green, white and orange is green, white and orange yeah the history Beautiful of the Republic book. of Ireland soccer short it's a fantastic gift for anybody whose dad is interested in soccer or whatever it is and it's uh, it's uh, and what does it retail? Uh, 49 50 euros including uh, post and packaging and tracking as I mentioned earlier okay so It'll go straight to your door for fifty euros, and uh, it's a great. It's, it's a not real, a small book. This is what what kind of size book is this, Frank? Just uh, that book is okay. So it's bigger than four, four, isn't it? It is, yeah. And if you want uh, to get one of the first copies of this, check out our social media pages. So at uh, Twenty Four Stories Tribe, it'll be either on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Twitter, or Facebook, and uh, we'll pick the winner. Uh, we might do it on next week's episode. Actually, we pick out the winner on next week's episode. So you'll have to listen in to find out who wins. Um, so thanks a million Frank for coming in and um, thank you Stephen it's been brilliant thank you thank you very much thank you for having me thanks for listening to this week's episode of the 24 Stories podcast don't forget to subscribe to the show and get in touch with us on Facebook Instagram Twitter and LinkedIn at 24 Stories Tribe I'll be back next week with a brand new guest 